0: such a privilege to be with you guys here this morning. Thank you very much for having us and inviting us, Vessi and Samin, and the elders and, uh, and the church. Uh, in many ways, this is our first time in 22 years that we're back in Zimbabwe, but in many ways, it feels like we've just come home again, yeah, and uh, we're not from here. We live many, many kilometers from here, but we just have such a, such a sense that there's so much of family here. And uh, church is never supposed to be just meetings. Church is uh, people called out of darkness into family. And I sense just such a sense of family here. And uh, I want to encourage you that if you if you feel like you're not part of the family, well then just get part of the family. Be part of the family. God's not called us to walk. Lone Ranger walks. He's not called us to walk on our own and says in Psalm 68, he puts the lonely in family. I want to tell you get into family. If you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling overwhelmed by things, family is the place. And, and it's part of the plan of God, the grace of God to people. Uh, I just, as I was just praying for this meeting, I, and this whole weekend, I've just been reminded, and this is not what I'm preaching on, but I've just been reminded of the significance of, of 40 years in the Bible, and how many times in the Bible there's these incidences of 40 years that comes up. Um, Israelites, 40 years in the wilderness when they did not obey. And it uh, took them a long time, which the journey was supposed to be 11 days to get to the promised land. took 40 years. And, uh, and then, but then overnight, at the fullness of time, you see them going in and taking occupation of what they've done. Just um, the, see Jesus, of course, 40, 40 days in the wilderness. Uh, him himself, uh, just after being filled with the Spirit, for those on Friday night, we spoke about that. And I see in the natural just around of communism falling after 40 years, you know, uh, apartheid falling after 41, 42 years. I believe next year is 40 years since uh, independence of Zimbabwe, and I, I feel like just want to encourage you, I'm certainly not sure if I can prophesy this, but I feel like there's change on the horizon, and, and our hearts need to be prepared to walk into a new future. Isaiah 43 says, forget the past, see I'm doing a new thing. And the church is central to the plan of God for what will be the new thing. And we need to position ourselves and get ready to see and occupy and bring the kingdom like we sang this morning. It was just so wonderful to say, I'm no longer slaves, no longer slave to fear. I am a child of God, and that's what I've been called to do. So I want to, just at the start of even bringing this word, I want to just somehow bring hope, if I can, and encouragement that the king knows exactly what he's doing. He is not, this is not a, I said it yesterday, A Ichabod moment or Ichabod nation where the glory of God has departed. This is a place where the glory of God is about to break out in ways that it's never done before. And so we as the church need to position our hearts, and we need to position our our, our minds, the way we speak everything about it, to enable God to break through. The Israelites could not go into the promised land until they fixed their hearts to be able to receive going into the promised land. I want to encourage you, the promised day is ahead. Would you turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. I've seen so many evidences of faith in action this week, and that we've been here uh, it was a delight to be at Head and Hooves yesterday morning. It was a delight to be uh, at uh, the Timber Place in the morning. We went to go and pray uh, with Helen and uh, with with uh, with her husband and family and all the a lot of guys from church. And then we got to go to the school at Petra. Things are some things are tough here. <laughs> and uh, but I saw evidences of faith in action all weekend. And this famous chapter of Hebrews chapter eleven. Starts with a heading in my Bible, it says faith in action. And I've seen faith in action and I want to encourage you because I think you guys will be writing stories and telling stories of faith stories that has happened that will encourage many across the nations, but also many in the city who are sitting without the hope of faith that we have. And you'll encourage them through your faith being in action. But every Christian has at some point got to have the evidence of faith in action in our lives. Too many, the days have gone past whereby we can come to church, we got saved, and yippee, I'm going to heaven, and that's my job done. There is way more required in these last days of the church. And faith requires us to, at some point, activate the faith and get it into action. So this story here, or this chapter here, I'm going to read from verse 1 up until 19, is this incredible story of a few men a few people who God has called and spoken to and how faith was placed and put into action and what the incredible things that happened for us and the hope that it gives and brings to us as the church. And so at a time when we require hope, as a time when we need courage, as a time when we need vision, as a time when we need to stir our hearts, I believe this will be something that will encourage you on your journey, I pray. And so, Father, as we open your word, I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you'd come lead us that you would come and open your word to our hearts and that you by your spirit and by your anointing would cause our lives, our hearts, and our minds to be changed. So come and do that now, Spirit of God. May your word come forth in power. In the mighty name of the risen Son, Jesus, I pray. Amen. From verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for. Where we come from, people don't know how to pronounce the word faith. Uh, we have lots of different nationalities in our church. Uh, we have some people who say faith, and uh, they can't really say faith. And then we have some Arabs who say faith. We have to have faith. And, uh, and so faith is a very, very tricky word to pronounce. But, but here we try and say faith if we can. Uh, and some say faith. Good morning, sir. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Can we say God's command? It was not done out of the scientific books, it was at the command of God, spoken into being. There was nothing, God spoke and there was the creation. I think it takes more faith to believe in all the cosmic soup that would have appeared with all the gases and all come to a perfect temperature and then one day to explode. And and then in that moment, then suddenly all life forms started to grow and then billions and trillions and zillions of years later, here we all are. I think that's far more faith than just believing uh, it takes to do that, to believe that than just to simply believe at God's command it was formed. And so here it says, start of our faith is the spoken word of God at God's command it was formed. So if you want to argue afterwards, I'm welcome. I'll introduce you to my wife. She was in the Air Force. uh, She'll sort you out. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Can we say earnestly seek Him? This is not a casual thing that someday we just got this lucky ticket and now we're going to go to heaven. And so we can just be lion's fair. This is a place and it's this thing that we earnestly seek Him in. I want to encourage you, if you you sometimes take Christianity as something that you just do on Sunday between 9 and 11 and the rest of the week you do other things, I want to encourage you that the men of faith earnestly sought him. And, uh, and, and for us in these days, we, we, we can be as the church, the sleeping giant. And I believe God wants to awake the sleeping giant and remind the sleeping giant that we are, through Jesus in us, the hope of the world. We are the ones that will bring hope to the nations where there is none. But it won't just suddenly just by accident happen, like the Big Bang. It won't just accidentally happen. It will be because we earnestly seek Him, and diligently walk the road that God has called us to walk. By faith, Noah, verse 7, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, wasn't able to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. (coughs) They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. And therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking he did receive Isaac Back from death. Amazing passage of scripture. Hebrews 11 is this story of faith in action. You can continue reading through the whole chapter and you'll see it again and again and again. And, 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 and just that the summary of it right at the start faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. There's a substance to faith. And there's, because there's a substance of faith that's real, there is an evidence that follows the substance. There's a substance and there's evidence. I have to ask each one of us who say that we are Christians, what is the substance of your faith? And is there evidence of your faith being real? Jesus himself had to exercise faith. He's not asking us to do anything that he did not himself have to walk through before, before us says he is the author and perfecter of our faith. If he's the author, the writer, the designer, and the perfecter of the very faith that we are called to walk in, he too had to walk in it first. Can you imagine? He had to come to earth. He had to humble himself to be born of a woman. He had to exercise faith and believe God that he would overcome death. He'd never done that before. He had not overcome death. He himself had not been man like that. He had not been born of a woman. He had not put his divinity one side and humbled himself to be born as a man and humanity ever before. He would not done the things that he's done. <clears throat> John 1 verse 1, we sang it in part of that song. It says, in the beginning <clears throat> was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. He was in the world, verse 10, and though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. The Creator had to humble Himself and make Himself vulnerable to the very creation that He made. Tempt, being tempted. He would never been tempted and tested like that before. On the cross... He'd never been to the cross before, but he had to believe the Father that this was the very plan for mankind. And so he humbled himself, said, Father, here I am, send me to the cross. And by faith, he went to the cross, not knowing the fullness of the journey, but believing the Father and the promise that through this action, all humankind would be rescued. So he had it by faith, Jesus responded he, he was, for the first time in all eternity, he had to experience what it was like for the Father to turn his back on the Son. He'd always been in full union with the Father. He'd always been in intimacy and friendship. Like this perfect union, friendship, perfecting, preferring one another. Father, the Son, and the Spirit, always together. And now... For the first time, not only is he going to go through death, but he's going to go at it all alone because the Father is going to turn his back on him. It took faith. I don't know if we understand how much it must have cost Jesus. <coughs> he didn't have faith to experience the fullness of the wrath of God. What was it going to be like? No one had ever taken sin for all time. all time gone past. Full time ahead, upon him. Nobody, and he had, to, he had to say, Father, your I am. I'm not sure. He said, he, said, he said, Father, take this cup from me when he was praying in Gethsemane, and it was like drops of blood. He said, but Father, your will not mine. He trusted the Father. Jesus was the perfecter of faith. And he went through the pain. He had to have faith. When he, out of two fish and five loaves, fed 5,000 people. He had to have faith for every single miracle. Filled with the Spirit of God, restrained in his divinity, but filled with the Spirit and in his humanity have faith to fulfill every one of those miracles. And so he's not here telling us cleverly from heaven, walk out in faith and you'll be fine. And he has no clue what it's like. He knows what it's like. And he activated faith and his evidences of faith as people were brought forth. He knew what it was like to heal the 10 lepers. And only one came to thank him. He knew what it was like to break forth out of the, the rejection of those people. And you know what? Because of all this, Jesus, we know, is amazed by true faith. He's moved by faith. He loves to be surprised by faith. Imagine surprising God by faith. When the centurion, who had a sick servant, and said, just say the word, and he spoke though he said, and he was amazed by his faith. When the woman, the Lebanese the Syrophoenician woman, which is in Lebanon, when her daughter was sick and she cried out to Jesus and said, would you come and just heal my... And he said, I'm here for, I'm here for the children of Israel, not for the dogs. And she said, but even the dogs need the crumbs. And she, she, had, she was discarded. She was actually in that moment, it seems like a harsh word by Jesus. Yet she responds and says, but just even the crumbs is enough for the dogs. And Jesus says, he's amazed by her faith. Seems like when... Jesus amazed by his faith. One of the times amazed by, we amaze him is when our faith is on behalf of others. Every one of those moments where he was amazed was when someone responded and believed God on behalf of someone else. When the friends of the cripple hoisted and, and lowered their friend through the roof of the church in a synagogue, He was amazed. Look at these guys. Look what they're doing. The incredible thing, two things that come forth, is one, it's always the faith that amazes them. It's often for others. And two of those three stories, it was by non-believers. It wasn't even by people from the church. They weren't Jewish. And it's sad that often people in the world have greater faith than people in the church. Huh? But it's true. And we go, gee whiz, how did you even attempt that? Well, wow, we just... And we in the church sit here and we, and we sometimes have less faith than... And, and yet, but we see the advantage. It was the same time, Je- same thing in Jesus' day. But I feel like God's saying that no, actually there's greater faith that is needed by the church. If we're going to go through this season, if we're going to go through in this new day, we're going to need to be a people of faith. The activation of faith, which I've seen all weekend in Christmas business, and all the places that we went to. Vesey and Samin. Incredible act of faith, what you're doing. Obedience. Someone said this, there's always somebody waiting on the other side of our obedience. When we're responding to the Word of God, and because we obey, there's a whole crowd waiting on the other side. None of you were here in this church eight years ago, but somebody responded by faith and obedience, and now there's this crowd. But let me tell you, this is not it. There's a whole multitude still waiting on the other side of the obedience of a man and a woman. And as people join their faith with Him, there are the multitudes in this city, in this nation, that are crying, who still do not know the hope of heaven. I I, want to be one day surprising God with my faith. Imagine Jesus going, sitting there with the Father, the right hand of the Father, and saying, Wow, I didn't expect that. That's what happened. I, I, I think there's a day coming where the church is going to go, look at that faith. And these men, these people, this chapter of the Bible, so challenged and so responded to faith and so believed God and so put their faith into action that the evidences of their faith broke out. I just want to quickly look at a few of them. The first one is Abel in verse 4. It says, By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. He brought the fat portions. He brought his bestest. Where's the English teachers? He brought his firstest, his fruitiest, his finest, his fattest to God. He didn't bring the leftest overest to God. His brother, Cain, Cain, brought the leftovers. Abel brought the best. Nobody taught him that. There was a thankfulness that sprung from his heart, and he knew that the king—he was effectively the grandson of God. His father, Adam, was the was the son of God, and so he's the firstborn. Him and his brother—they're the, they're the first generation. The next, so they, their grandfather is God. God had not written them a note and said, "This is what you do, and you have to say thank you." Sometimes we need to do that with our children, and for actually, mostly, it's often adults who even forget to say thank you. But, but here's the grandson of God. He's so aware that everything that he had has been given by him. So the first thing you get, oh, fattest, finest, firstest, fruitiest. And Abel goes, gives it to God. And Cain says, oh my goodness, all this that I have is by the sweat of my brow and by the hard work of my hands, I better give God, some, give God something too," And he gives his leftovers. I don't know if you like leftovers in the fridge. They're not bad. But they're never as good as the night before. They're there, and it's okay. And you could add mustard and chutney and salt and all sorts of stuff to make it better. But there's nothing like when it just came out. Abel brought his finest. Cain brought his leftovers. And God says, I commend you, my son. Incredible. The righteous called righteous. And Further down the line, we know Isaac. You might say, yeah, Rob, it's easy for you to say you come from the Middle East where there's lots of fattest, finest, and firstest. That's quite challenging for us too. But if I don't have the heart of remembering that everything that I have comes from the king, I will always find a reason to only give him my leftovers. I had a friend who said, yeah, yeah, I'll start giving to God when I get my raise at the end of the month. I said, you'll never give to God. If that is your attitude, you'll never give to God. It's not about the lady who came with the two copper coins. She only gave what she had. She didn't wait till she got her pension at the end of the month. She gave what she had. And the king sat down. And where did Jesus sit? He sat right by the offering box. He sat right there. And he said, let's see if she gives her firstest or left And She gave all she had. Amazing, giving two copper coins. And for all time, people talking about you. It was a faith that surprised God. Jesus was moved. In the midst of famine, in the midst of tough time, don't forget this. This very thing is so moving against the spirit of the land, where everything grabs, where everything wants to keep, where everything wants to save, because we don't know where the bread's going to come from. Our bread comes from heaven. When we trust the King with our firstest, finest, and fruitiest, you'll see the breakthrough of God way beyond the trouble of man. Don't let this stop you as you move forward in this time. Thanksgiving is displayed. Generosity is displayed. Who wants open heavens over Zimbabwe? Open wallets means open heavens. Closed wallets means God's going, I want to give, but nothing I give goes anywhere. Open heavens, open wallets, open hearts. Look at the next guy, Enoch. What about him? It says faith. He walked faithfully with God, and then he was no more. In Genesis 5, you're going to read the story of Enoch. It says in verse 21, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years, can we say 300 years? And, has, and had other sons and daughters. And Enoch walked faithfully with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. Imagine, it says, and God was pleased with him. Imagine pleasing God for 300 years. Imagine just walking faithfully with God for 300 years. I mean, he just continued faithfully persevering, persistently, consistently, walking faithfully with God. He was a man who demonstrated what it was like to know who God was and to know who he was and to understand that holy and faithful living is what is required of people that walk with God. Amazing that his his son was Methuselah. And so Enoch went to heaven. His son, is Methuselah, became the man who lived longest forever on earth. 900 and something years. And so his faithful living had such consequence that the blessing, like this man's name, went on to the next generation. He was, his son lived 900 odd years. You might go, that's no blessing at all. You don't live where we live. Imagine faithfully walking with God. I tell you, it surprised the king. He said, look at this man. 275 years, he's still doing it. 295, he's still doing it. 300 years, come on, let's give him a rest. Come, come on, my son. Faithfully walking with the king. Holy living. Being holy is reflecting who God is. God is holy. And when we start to live... Lives that are holy, we find we are growing in our walk and being made holy, as Hebrews 10, 14 says. Those, he says, how does it go? They have been perfected forever, those who are being made holy, Hebrews 10, 14. When we are found in Christ Jesus, we are made perfect forever. You might look to the person next to you and say, if you find, you don't have to say the whole thing, just say, perfect forever. Turn to the person next to you. Yeah, yeah, somebody I do it can't be. But Scripture says when we're in Christ Jesus, we've been made perfect forever, those who are being made holy. Christ's blood and the offering on the cross was enough to make us perfect forever, to remove the sin perfectly from us, forever changing who we are. And now, even though we've done nothing, He says we are perfect. And now we are being made holy, transformed daily, walking faithfully with the King. It's the power of grace. It's the power of God. When we reflect who He is, God is holy. He's light. There's no darkness in Him. We start to have darkness propelled from us. When He's tr- God is truth, we have we start to be like God. No falseness in us. We start to live differently. God hates sin. Jesus perfectly mirrored holiness. He had no sin, which is why he's the only one who was found worthy to go to the cross because he had no sin to bear for himself. He could bear the sin for the world. No other religion has a savior that could bear the sin of the world because they all had their own sin to bear. I live in an area where Muhammad is preached. I live in an area where in fact, most of the people who come to Qatar are Hindus. They come and they have all sorts of gods that come. They come from Nepal. They come from India. They come from the whole subcontinent. And they have their hopes in all sorts of strange things. But none of that which is in their hope. I said to the guys, it's great, but who is going to pay for your sin the day that you stand before the Savior? Who are you going to say paid your sin when God asked you, How have you walked your walk? My Muslim boss, I had an incredible man. I was in Qatar for a short time. And uh, I I didn't go for church. I went for business. I was general manager of a company. And the guy that I replaced just before I got there, a few months before, had paid a bribe and promised a bribe to a customer for a big fire truck. I was in the fire industry. And uh, things like that take a while to be made. And I arrived, and uh, when the truck was being delivered a few months after I was there, the customers, uh, the, the staff said to me, "Sir, you know we have to pay a bribe for this truck." I said, "What?" They said, "No, no, that's that's the deal. That's why we got this order. It was a bribe was promised." I said, "Listen, I didn't come from South Africa all, all the way to Qatar to sit in the Qatari jail. If I wanted to sit in jail like I did in Durban, it's much better." And and they said, "This is it." And I went to my boss and I said, "Look, this is the story." I'm not paying this bribe, and he said, no, you have to, and I said, I'm not doing it, I'm sorry, Uh, you'll have to find another way, he said, all right, he said, he'll pay the bribe, he said, Kenny, this is the Muslim boss, and he said, please arrange the funds, and I phoned the customer, and I connected the two of them, and they were—they found a meeting place, and uh, Thursday afternoon, bribe was paid, and I felt dreadful, and I, I was praying, and On the Sunday, our Monday is a Sunday, our Our Friday is a Sunday, our our Sunday is a Monday, our Friday is a Sunday, and our Saturday is a Saturday, our Thursday is a Friday. So it's an entirely confused week where I come from. But when I went back to work on the Sunday morning, I phoned the customer, and I said, listen, sir, can I meet with you? And he said, sure. And I went to meet with him, and I said to him, I need you to know that I could never, ever do business like this again. And he was a British man, and, uh, and he looked at me, and I said, I did not come, and I'm sure you did not come all the way from Manchester where he came from, to come sit in the cafeteria jail. So I want you to know that if that's the conduct of business, I want us to just shake hands today and walk away fair from another. Strange thing happened. That year, my business with a customer quadrupled, increased by four times. It was as if that day when I stood up to that very thing, to him, he was set free too in the moment. And the grace of God and power came to me and my business just, whoo. within that week we started getting orders and the guy said, sir, did you pray a bribe? I said, no bribe, my bud, no bribe, we're trusting God for this. And I went to my boss, the Muslim man who's a very good man, and I said to him, sir, you need to know, I, I could never have this happen again in your business. And he said, Why? I said, aren't you one day, I said, you believe that Jesus is coming back too, don't you? And he said, yes. I said, one day you and I stand before Jesus and he's going to ask us, who did you trust for your life and your business? Your own money and your bribes or did you trust God? And my Arab sponsor went a bit pale and he looked like a pale Englishman. And he wrote a letter two days later to his 48 companies. And he said, no one of my companies will ever pay a bribe again. He says we will no longer trust in the schemes of man. And forty-eight companies have from that day been transformed. I want to say to you, I see a man like Enoch walking faithfully with God, saying no when no needs needed to be said. Truly trusting God. In these days, we need to trust God, even increasingly still. More for the supernatural release of his power. And I tell you, it was a tough thing to do there in that Muslim land. But it was a witness to my boss. I think if I had made a different plan that day, I wouldn't have been standing where I am now. That same Muslim boss still sponsors me and allows me to be in Doha, now full time to preach the gospel in the Muslim nation. If I had that day defied and turned my way, I do not think he would have thought, well, you're a hypocrite. How can you preach the gospel in this nation or the truth or Christianity when you make plans like that and you pay bribes on the side? Enoch walked faithfully with the king for 300 years. And God was surprised. I want to be a man who surprises God with the way that I walk. And this day, these days here in Bulawayo in Zimbabwe, I want to trust God that we can surprise Him. What about the next one? We'll just go quickly. Noah. Noah became heir of the righteous. Verse 7. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteous. That is in keeping with faith. He built an ark that rescued a household and as importantly rescued parts of creation. Faith leads us to build arcs so we can rescue others out of the situation that they're in. Are you building an arc in your life that is available to rescue others? When, when revival broke out in England, there was, in France there was a revolution and Louis lost his head in England, there was reformation, and everything about society was changed. Even the SPCA was formed, and even the creation, the animals were being rescued because the gospel started to penetrate hearts, and society was reformed versus a revolution that came and chopped the heads off the king. When the gospel comes, arcs will be built, hearts will be changed, and we'll start a rescue even up to the animals. That's what happened. And Noah was called to rescue his household. And Noah was called to rescue even creation. When I went to Doha and uh, we were there, only Helet and I really, and maybe one other in our family, were saved. And I felt challenged by a man who said, are you really prepared to persistently seek God for the salvation of your household? My children, of course, they, we preached for them. As soon as they could start to understand, we started to preach to them, and they got saved and gave their lives to Jesus. But I went through a time where I said, okay, I'm going to pray for my parents and my family. I said, God, I'm going to do it for six months. And I started praying every day for six months. Every day I said, God, would your mercy and your grace impact my family? And after six months of every day praying for them, and I prayed sometimes long for them, nothing had happened. I thought, wow, this strategy is not working. Maybe I need to change the strategy. I thought, now I'll continue to pray for them. You know, within a year of doing that exercise of praying, my father got saved, my mother got saved, my brother got saved on right where he was being committed suicide. He was committing suicide. A friend of mine, rescued him in the car where he was committing suicide. And weeks later, he gave his life to Jesus. He led sisters, God's so sister got saved. Parents recommitted their lives to God. And we saw one by one, all these things started to happen. Because even though I couldn't build a physical ark, I was building an ark in prayer that would cause my household to start to be changed. Who are we as the church building an ark for in Bulawayo that God would say, I can rescue them because there's an ark that's been built? And Noah surprised God, and he responded, Noah, there's rain coming. What's rain? Noah, there's a flood coming. What's a flood? You know, up until that time, it had not rained on earth. Because there was sufficient supply of moisture for the earth to be able to operate. It's crazy. We can't imagine how that could be. Noah responded in faith to the Word of God, built an ark, and rescued humanity. Who are you building an ark for? Evidences of faith in our lives. We are called to build arks to save others. It was so wonderful to see yesterday. Chris was telling the story. I don't want to see. He's probably told it to many of you. But 250 people lost their jobs. And he made a promise. He said, when our business gets back, we'll rehire them. Within a year, he rehired all 250 people. Because he kept the promise. He believed and he built an ark that would save households across the city. Who are you physically and who are you spiritually building an ark to save? Are you praying for your neighbor? Are you praying for the king? You don't have a king. Are you praying for the president? Are you praying for your headmaster? Who doesn't want to pray for the headmaster? You need, if you're a school guy, where's the headmistress? Where's Heather? She's, not, she's teaching. Today. Oh, there she is. Heather was such a privilege praying for headmistress yesterday. I said I'd never been in the office of a headmistress, but I'd visited the offices of a headmaster a few times. And it wasn't always fun. It was far greater yesterday to pray for you. Who are we praying for in building arks? Noah builds an ark. Last one. Verse 8 to 9. eight Up until 9, Abraham. Abraham believed God, obeyed his voice. Right. Obeyed the command of God. He responded against all hope. Romans chapter 4 tells us that Abraham... Being fully persuaded. Can you say fully persuaded? He was fully persuaded that God was able to do and deliver on the promise that he made. He said, I'll give you an inheritance. Every month, Sarah, are you pregnant? No. Every month, Sarah? No. Every month? No. Years? 25 years. Are you? No. Are you? No. Are you? No. No. At 99, it says when his body is as good as dead. Dead is not very good. Yet still at that time, it says, strengthened in his faith, being fully persuaded that God can even resurrect the dead. Out of the dead, he could make nothing. Out of that, Abram becomes the father of our faith. These are the guys that have walked before us, who we can see the activation of evidence of faith in their lives happening. These are the ones. See, it's why we believe God for much more than just go to heaven much more than just for a restored Zimbabwe, but for a life where we consistently see through faith the establishment and the achievement of the promises of God, seeing that His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven, consistently, day by day, and breakthrough comes. And then when breakthrough comes and the inheritance is given and Isaac is born, he doesn't hold it so dear. Because he's waiting 25 years for that. He's not prepared to give it to God. And the very thing that God gives him, he opens his hand to. And yet again, he says, God, you can and he will go and sacrifice his child. Amazing. 25 years, he's believing God. And then when God gives him what he's believed for, then God says, right, give it back to me. This is the father of the faith. Activated faith. Trust in God. That God was even able, if he gave his son, able to resurrect him from the dead. God says, no, stop Abraham here, and there's a Bram in the bush. What do we need here in Bulawaya these days? What do we need? We see the disciples straight after Jesus' crucifixion. Just before his crucifixion, they were doubters. They were deserters. They deserted Jesus at his moment of most importance. Thomas doubted, but after his crucifixion, and when Jesus walks with him for 40 days before he ascends, and then he says, would you wait, and I'm going to fill you with power, and you will be my witnesses in the city, and in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We see those same deserters and those same doubters as God comes and puts His hand, as they believe the promise of Jesus. How long will it take, Jesus? Just wait and pray. You know that many of them didn't wait and pray. We know in Corinthians it tells us that at one time there was up to 500 that saw Jesus after His death. Yet we know that in the upper room there was only 120. What happened with the other 380? They could not wait on the promise of God that said, if you wait here, wait, I will fill you with power. And then you'll go unto the ends of the earth. 380 left him, but 120 waited faithfully. And 10 days later, they received the promise which they didn't know what it would look like. And the supreme enablement of God came upon them by the Spirit of God. And the world today, you and I are seated here because 120 people waited in the upper room, faithfully prayed and faithfully waited. And they built an ark for us. And those same deserters and doubters became men who stood before the enemy, who stood before the accusers of Jesus that they could no other say but these men have been with Jesus. They witnessed that these men, ordinary unschooled men, had been transformed simply by their faith in Jesus. And the power of God had come by the Spirit of God. What do we need as a church in Bulaire? I see faith and evidences of faith everywhere. But I want to challenge you that there's more I want to challenge you that if we're going to become the rescue hand of God for this new season, which I feel will come, that is on the horizon, which we are believing for, not just for a restored Zimbabwe, but for way more, where Zimbabwe, where Zimbabwe is that will become something of the hope to the nations where we are in. Imagine if this nation again will be the, per- the place where people will be sent to the nations again, where people will be released to take the gospel, to the tribes around us, to the countries next door, there's way more than just the restored Zimbabwe that we are believing for. But on the horizon, King says, I need a people and a church that will awaken, where faith will not just be something we talk about, but faith will be something we live and do. We won't be faith, we want to achieve faith, do works, but because we have faith, we will be doing works. I want to encourage you today. I feel like the King says, this is a time there's a rallying cry from heaven. Would we let go of some of our insecurities, some of our fears, in fact, all of our fears, and would we start to believe again the promise of the King, whereby we, filled with His power, start to become the hope of the world. I feel like we need to be praying for people here today. The first thing we wanna pray for you can't have faith if you don't have self-saving faith. If there is anybody here, you might love the stories and you might love the Scripture. But if you haven't received Jesus as your saving Savior and put your faith in Him, then no faith to do things of achieving faith will count. Just quickly, quickly here, while eyes are closed. If there is anybody here that has not given their life to Jesus by putting their hope, trust, and faith in Him, now today is the day. That was the echo of heaven. Would you right now, just put your hand up and say, Father, I want to receive your Son today as my Lord and Savior. Just quickly right now. There is more. Our good works will not save us. Our family will not save us. Our background will not save us. Only Jesus will save us. What will you be answering him when tonight, if you were to stand before him and he said, why would I allow you into my heaven? What would your words be to him? Just think of that quickly. If Jesus were to ask you, why should I allow you into my heaven? What would you say? Ah, my father brought me to kids church. I used to come and listen to Yanku sing every week. I gave my first fruits. I want to say to you, none of those things would be good enough on that day. Your answer needs to be something like, I put my faith in the blood of Jesus that shed his blood for me on the cross. Took away my sin. If your answer is like that, I want to say to you right now, then you are saved.